Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Back after a week of relaxing and unwinding at the beach, catching up on reading, updating my website, PeterARadio.com. And this week is 2012-ish. That's right. We're going to go back 10 years to talk up some great full-length albums from the year 2012. Some albums that I've listened to a lot at the time. And a few albums that I have came across later, a few years after these albums have been released. And uh, the big picture here for this show are albums that age well. And we're going to start off with Mr. Ty Siegel and his album Twins. And if you know anything about Mr. Ty Siegel, you know that his album... His album discography is very deep. He puts out multiple albums within one year. And when I discovered this album a few years after it got released in 2017, about five years later, uh, one, I didn't know Tysicle existed at the time this album was released. But in 2017, I was already a fan of his. And Dan Sullivan, the rhythm, the rhythm guitarist of Long Island's Frankenblazer, showed me You're the Doctor. And at this time, some of his albums were not on DSPs, so I had no idea this song existed. I had no idea this album existed. And I had this album on repeat throughout my last semester of college. And I will tell you that Twins is a great album for studying, walking, driving, and running. And I still have a lot of, a few songs off of Twins on my running playlist, including The Hill, which features vocals from Bridget Dawson, who played keyboard and tambourine for the OCs, and the very romantic and uh, surf-inspired Would You Be My Love, to the very trippy Inside Your Heart, and the very psychedelic and hypnotic Love Fuzz, which has become a live favorite of Ty. And he's got a new album coming out uh, July 22nd called Hello High. And I got to see him at Brooklyn Steel not too long ago with Shannon Lay. And he did a very unique setup for his live set. It wasn't just the Freedom Band just playing. He did a acoustic set. And then he had a live set. Most of the set was, was loud, I should say. Of course it was live, but it was loud. With the Freedom Band. And then he did an encore acoustic. It was very interesting. It was very unique. I loved it. And I think that's kind of the theme of the brand new album. Like it's some loud songs and some soft songs. Which is great. I welcome it. But uh, if you're going to pick anything out of Ty's very overwhelming and intimidating discography. Twins is an album to um, start with. Let's move on to Tame Impala. And Lonerism, and I will say, I was listening to this album during this time. This is when I discovered Tame Impala. And uh, a lot of the songs off of this album got a lot of radio play, including Elephant. And as soon as I heard this song, I was like, wow, they're playing a song like this on the radio? Because it was so expansive. It, it It was, you know, it was catchy, it was melodic. But there's there's this long, extended synth section that I was surprised to hear on regular commercial radio. It was interesting. Um, I definitely love this album's blend of classic psych, 
and some synth pop and a little bit of kraut in there, a touch of shoegaze. Um, I know Kevin Parker is a big fan of My Bloody Valentine, and it definitely shows on this album. Not to say that, okay, if you like My Bloody Valentine, you're going to like Tame Impala. That's not what I'm saying. But if you do like, like, ethereal vocals, I think you might enjoy Tame Impala. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I absolutely love, one of the coolest things about this album is the spoken intro of Be Above It. From the first time I heard this album in full, this song remains in my head a decade later. Gotta be above it, gotta be above it, gotta be above it. Amazing, just fantastic. And I love the hypnotic keys on Keep On Lying and the bright harmonies of Mind Mischief. I believe Lonerism is my favorite Tame Impala album. This in Currents, just tremendous. I listen to this album the most and I love the blend of like electronic synths and loud guitars. I, I love the fusion of the two. It sounds, it sounds amazing. And I believe some of the B-sides, or one B-side in particular from this particular album, Beverly Laurel, is a preview to what Currents will become because I don't think there's any notable guitar parts on Beverly Laurel. I think it's mostly synth, if not all synth. I don't know. But the synths, the synths are in the forefront of this tune here, and it's definitely what would Currents become, because Currents is like mostly synth, which is fine. It's not a critique. It's, it's great. Um, I remember when Currents came out, um, some of the Tame and Impala fans that I knew were kind of divided because they kind of missed the, like, the psych rock stuff of their early work. I was welcome to the change because, you know, you don't want to sound stagnant, I guess. But um, as we'll see later on today, it, sometimes it's okay to not reinvent the wheel. There's a particular album that I'm going to talk about later that does this very well. But if you're going to pick out something from Tame Impala's discography, Lonerism is the one. Let's move on to Mr. Kendrick Lamar and Good Kid Mad City. And this is another album that I listened to a ton when it came out. And this is also the commercial breakthrough for Kendrick. It had tons of inescapable songs that got some heavy radio rotation at the time, including Swimming Pools, Poetic Justice, Mad City, especially on the, on the hip-hop mix shows here in New York. And of course, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. And this album was so big that... Even Lady Gaga, one of the biggest pop stars at the time, did a horrible remix to uh, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Um, it just shows you how, you know, big this album was and how large Kendrick Lamar was starting to become around this time. And I feel like this and most of Kendrick Lamar's albums, or in fact all of them, have a bit of narration. It's very story-driven and a lot of this album surrounds Kendrick borrowing his parents' van um, to hang out with his friends and see his girlfriend, Shireen. And it just places you in Compton. I love um, Backstreet Freestyle because you're, you're placed in Compton with Kendrick and his friends when he was a teenager. And he sounds like a teenager on the song. I think that was purposeful. Very interesting. And um, there's some breaking and entering going on on this album as well with the art of peer pressure. Great stuff. And of course, we hear the, the chaos that gang violence uh, can have on our community, especially in Compton with Mad City featuring uh, MC8. 
And I have to say, um, this album is great. It still holds up to this day. But when I look at the larger Kendrick Lamar discography, this is probably my least, one of my least favorites. Um, uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Stepper is probably my least favorite. Um, but I just love To Pimp a Butterfly and Damn a whole lot more. But um, if you want to, if you're trying to get into Kendrick Lamar, um, I think at this point, maybe not in 2012, at this point, Kendrick Lamar is an artist that every, that quote unquote, everyone is listening to. So uh, if you've never heard Kendrick Lamar, you don't know where to start, I would start with this, Good Kid Mad City, and then work backwards and go to Section 80 and then go to, to Pepper Butterfly, then go to Damn. All right, yet another hip-hop album that I've been listening to a ton in 2012, and that is Mr. Killer Mike and rap music. This album is the prelude to Run the Jewels. Why? Because it's fully produced by Mr. LP himself. This album has a lot of bombastic, bare-bones hip-hop production and a lyricism. It's just right to the point. And to me, rap music is the album that I don't hear any clear song that's for the quote unquote, that's for the radio or for the club or whatever. It's just a straight up punch you in the face cohesive album. There's no like large stops or large uh, abrupt you know switches and sounds to appeal to the masses. Um, maybe Killer Mike can say, "Oh yeah, this this song is for the radio." Maybe he'll say that, but I don't know. I haven't heard him say that in ten years, but. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's definitely one of the best produced albums um, of the last decade of the 2010s. And even now, um, I really love the explosive intro that is Big Beast. It had some great verses from Killer Mike's super famous friends, T.I. and Bun B. And, of course, a great hook from the late Trouble. Um, Killer Mike tackles war on drugs and mass incarceration on Reagan. He even so eloquently says... He's glad Reagan's dead. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, he's tackling police brutality and don't die. Um, if you're not a fan of Run the Jewels, but you like Killer Mike, rap music is the album for you. If you love Run the Jewels and you haven't heard rap music, something's wrong with you. You should listen to this album. You absolutely should. All right, moving on to A Place to Bury Strangers and Worship. This is the third album from the New York Underground Shoegaze Outfit. And in 2012, I did not know who A Place to Bury Strangers was. I didn't discover them until 2015, until my good friend Connor Rooney showed them to me. Because at the time, it's, I still am. I'm very into a lot of noisy, noise pop and shoegaze stuff. Uh, big fan of... Uh, by the time I met Connor, around this time, uh, I was uh, still am a big fan of My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain, and Cocteau Twins, Ride and Lush, and all that stuff. And I feel like, speaking of Cocteau Twins, I feel like Worship is a place where strangers, heaven or Las Vegas. Because uh, that Cocteau Twins album, to me, was kind of a turning point for them. Because um, the songs were prettier. They weren't as crazy and chaotic and evil and gothic they were more sweet and sugary and you can hear elizabeth fraser's voice more clearer 
And it's still kind of uh, ethereal and hazy. You can't really make out everything that she's saying, but you can, you can more so on this album than the uh, her previous work, like uh, Victoria Land or anything else before that. Um, and that's a good thing. This is not a, an insult to A Place for Your Strangers or Cocktoo Twins. To me, this is their equivalent album to that. Because uh, there's a lot... To me, it's uh, this album is less crazy and chaotic. It's more melodic than the earlier A Place for Your Strangers work. Just like Cocktail Twins and Heaven in Las Vegas. That album wasn't as crazy as earlier stuff, which is which is great, which is fine. Um, my favorite song on Worship is Mind Control because it brings me to their 2016 performance at the now defunct Greenpoint DIY venue Aviv. Oh man, if you're at that show, you know exactly, I don't even need to say anything. It was just, uh, I can't even put into words what I experienced that night. And I, on this Mind Control song, I love the bombastic drums and all the feedback with the really great, spectacular, deep vocal performance of Oliver Ackerman. You really got the lowest parts of his vocal register on here. It's fantastic. And Revenge is another favorite of mine from Worship. And it just really brings you to their live performance. Like, this is exactly what they sound like live. You know what I mean? Like when you listen to their stuff, okay, and you've seen them live before, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But like, revenge is really. If someone asked me, what do a place to bury strangers sound like live? Revenge is the closest on record to what they may sound like live. If that makes any sense at all. Moving on to Santi Gold and Master of My Make Believe. At this time. When this album came out, I was a fan of Santi Gold. I listened to this album a ton, and I will say 10 years later, it still slaps. And this is her second album, and it's very genre eclectic. There's some reggae, electronic, indie rock, pop, and hip-hop influences all squirreled together in a nice little neat package. Some of my favorite songs on here, God from the Machine, I listened to this album Hundreds of times, so so many times, I looked at the time right. I, iTunes still does this, but I I had an iPod at the time. I had iPod Touch, and if when you synced it, when you synced your iPod to the computer, and you looked on your computer in iTunes, it counts how many times you played a song. God from the Machine. I think I had this like thousands of plays. Just it, it was such a beautiful song. The unbelievably catchy chorus, the crashing marching band-like drums, just tremendous stuff here. And I loved Freak Like Me. It has a nice bright reggae rhythm with some really cool chop vocals in the chorus. I loved it. It's so cool. Moving on to Alt-J and An Awesome Way. This is the debut album from the English band and I was listening to this album a ton when it came out as well. Uh, you may know Fitz Pleasure, that, that was a big song on the radio, as well as Breeze Blocks and Tessellate. And Tessellate was actually used in the final season of Sons of Anarchy. Uh, it's a very depressing song, <laughs> and that show is very depressing as well, so it kind of makes sense. Um, they mix a lot of uh, folk, uh, electronic, and indie rock into their songs. I hate saying that, but it, it, it's appropriate, I guess. <laughs> uh, I love the acapella interlude of Ripe and Ruin. Um, there's a lot of repetition on certain words, like she, 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 she only ever, ver, ver wants to, to count, count her steps. It sounds amazing. I'm not going to sing it for you. I think I would just ruin the song. I think 
this song, Miss, definitely depicts a breakup. Because if you just read the lyrics, all the vows, all the vowels vow to hold your name. Keep your estate clean of me. Wow, that's really uh, deep and uh, depressing. Um, but uh, very uh, fascinating, too. You know, you know what's funny? This song is very depressing, but uh, it made me happy. I don't know what it is. Sonically, it's very happy. But, like, lyrically, it's very depressing. All right, moving on to Tonight. Uh, this is the debut EP of the production collective of Hudson Mohawk and Lunis. And when this EP came out, I was listening to it heavily. I remember watching the Needle Drop review of this, and he gave it a very good score. And I listened to it for myself, and I also loved it, and I still love it to this day. And uh, both artists, uh, both Hudson and Lunis, have their own solo projects as well, including Mr. Hudson Mohawk, who just announced a new album, Cry Sugar, for August 12th. And at this time... A lot of other uh, EDM DJs, Carnage and Yellowclaw, were adopting this Atlanta Trap-flavored electronic sound that was kind of cool. Um, both Tonight and a lot of other EDM DJs at this time had a lot of bombastic 808-style drums with weird samples. Um, well, not... Well, just Tonight. Tonight would... You know, they, they would sample a lot of things, a lot of strange things, and... They had a lot. They had a lot of uh, weird arrangements that kind of sounded wrong, if that makes any sense. But it just worked very well. Um, it wasn't tonight. Was not conventional, you know. At this time, yeah, they were doing that kind of electronic trap sound, but it was different from the carnages and, and the yellow claws and all that stuff. Um, like higher ground, for example. Uh, I love the sample of uh, Julie McKnight's home. And there was really an amazing, deep horn section here. And um, if you're going to listen to tonight, this is an EP to start with. Uh, their discography is very small. They put out an EP in 2019. Some loose singles in between the first EP and their second one. Uh, they even put out some loose singles late last year. And they were cool. But, you know, Hudson and Lunas do their own thing. They even sort of took a hiatus, sort of kind of broke up. Uh, after this EB came out. Um, but then they got back together. Now they're back together now. Uh, I do have a gripe with them because <laughs> right before COVID broke out, they had a show in New York City, but they canceled it. Um, I was refunded. No beef there, but I just want them to come back to New York. That's all. Um, but I am looking forward to Hudson Mohawk's uh, solo album. Moving on to Jack White. Now, his solo album, uh, his first solo album came out this year, Blunderbuss, and I was listening to it a ton. I would argue this is his best solo work. And this is not the first project that he's done outside the White Stripes. He was doing Raconteurs and Dead Weather around this time as well. But the one thing I love about Blunderbuss, it's, it's that he has a lot of he has a good mixture of Nashville twang country tunes and some tender stripped down acoustic tunes with packaged with loud, noisy garage rock, which is what he's famous for. But if you listen to some of the White Stripes albums, there is some like twangy songs on there, which are cool. But of the loud songs, 16 Candles, Freedom of 21, I'm Shaken, which is a cover of a Little Willie John song from 1960. And there's also a Trash Tongue Talker that's great as well. 
And of the twangy country-like songs, I love the the title track, Blunderbuss, Hippopotamus, Poor Boy, and Take Me With You When You Go. And this is an album that, I was talking about this before, this is the album I'm talking about. It doesn't reinvent anything. There's nothing new about this album. But it is great. It's a great album with great songs that I'm still listening to till this day. I always, I, I when I was starting to get into like the White Stripes and Jack White and all that stuff, I knew Jack was like a vinyl nut and analog head, right? And I've always wanted to hear Blunderbuss on vinyl. But at the time, I did not have a record player or the money to have a record player. But I did buy the CD. At the time, I still have it. And it still plays great. But I finally, 10 years after this album came out, I found it at a record store for a good price. And it sounds amazing on vinyl. If, you, if you're a White Stripes fan and all that stuff, buy those records. They sound tremendous. They're one of the best albums you can have on vinyl, uh, you know, of the last decade or so. Last, but certainly not least, Miss Fiona Apple, Idler Wheel. Here's another album that I've been listening to a ton when it came out. I absolutely love, this is one of my favorite albums in her discography. Uh, the intro song, Every Single Night. Tremendous chorus, awesome vocal performance from Fiona. The chorus has a really bombastic and cavernous delivery it's it just it's tremendous it's so cool it's it, it has this like very uh, interesting dynamics like you know it starts off very tender and just you know warm and then the chorus comes in and punches you in the face fantastic lots of emotive lyrics uh, as typical of fiona apple songs and then there's periphery which has a wonderful piano section and the percussion here is not actual drums. What it is, it's a field recording of feet dragging through gravel. And it sounds tremendous. The one thing I will say about this album, about Idler Wheel, is the fact that it's very minimal. You know what I mean? There's not too much going on, which is, I love. It's amazing. One of the biggest, you know, gripes that I have with certain albums of talented people, they're just be unnecessary amounts of stuff unnecessary string sections unnecessary guitar solos you know just sometimes it's great to just keep it simple and hot knife is the best example of minimalistic songs because this tune has just a what sounds like a timpani and fiona and her sister mods um vocals they're just singing to each other to each other but like that's just their voices it's beautiful it's gorgeous it's an amazing tune it's a great way to close out uh, this remarkable album that i'm still listening to 10 years later that's unbelievable and this was fiona's only album of the 2010s her last album before this was in 2005 um extraordinary machine and that that was her only album of the 2000s the decade that she's had the most albums was the 90s with a title and when the pawn. And those were a few years apart as well. And she didn't put out another album until 2020 with uh, Fetch the Bold And that album is just extraordinary too. I think that album came out at the right time because the world was ending, right? And everything was hor- horrible was happening, both, you know, in society and, you know, with a disease killing people. But that album gave me a lot of solace. Same with Isla Wheel in 2012. 
2012, there was a lot of bullshit going on, too. It was a presidential election, and then there was Sandy, and then this album gave me a lot of comfort during those crazy and chaotic times. And it's safe to say all the albums that I named today do age well. I still listen to them uh, pretty regularly, and along with all the new music that's been coming out since then, so you can tell how great these albums are. Um, And that's going to do it for 2012-ish here on My Little Underground. Uh, I'm Peter A., and don't forget, you can subscribe to the email newsletter of My Little Underground over at peteraradio.com slash newsletter. And I put the link in the episode description. And I'm on the socials uh, if you dare to follow me over there. Um, I don't tweet or post that often. But if you want, like, clips of of the show, it's there for you at MLUpod. And um, keep listening to and discovering new music. And I thank you for listening to My Little Underground every week or whenever you can. All right. Later days. (laughs) 